You've been listening to Adam Air MD GED and Grandma Gutter Fucking Punk. <laughs> Underground Cartoon Fucking Therapy. Alright, guys, welcome back to the show. I uh, decided to take my mom to the fucking opera today. How's that fucking sound, Mom? Oh, shit. Hold on a second. All right, Mom, we're in New Mexico at a fucking play. This is sometime in 2015 or some shit. Isn't that great that I got a time fucking machine? We can go wherever the fuck we want? Yeah. I love that. So how you doing out there, Mom? You okay? Yeah. The ride was a little bad. Yeah, we got there pretty fast. I know it. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta s- stop and smell the fucking roses. Or the coffee beans. Well, this is a, an uplifting episode. I'm not gonna talk any shit about anybody on here. Not really. I do a little bit about some cartoonists. Because, you know, lately it's just been a bunch of cartoonists that kind of suck. Shannon Wheeler's a good guy. And we do talk about uh, ups and downs in the industry on this fucking show today. What'd you say? I said he's definitely a good guy. Yeah, he's got great stories. He's a good dude. It was a pleasure to talk to him. Hope you guys like the show out there today. Uh, Brought to you by uh, Neighborino Weed. Huh? Tell him let us know if they want to see him back. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just nice to have America's favorite fucking coffee cup headed fucking cartoon creator and uh, we'll talk about how we met 20 years ago and his journey to being in the New Yorker as a cartoonist now he says it's a pretty good paying gig I guess I'd have to know it I don't know if I'd ever draw for the New Yorker mom Unless they want fucking giant fucking monsters with crack pipes addicted to 90210. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had a good time and let's uh let's go ahead and get this fucker rolling, huh? Sounds good to me. Alright, this episode is Grandma Gutter Punk approved, so shut the fuck up, listen up. Let's get this fucker rolling. Alright guys, welcome back to the show. It's an honor and a pleasure to introduce Mr. Shannon Wheeler. Fucking 10 Eisner Award winning. Uh, you won 10 Eisner Awards and a Pulitzer Prize. Half of those are in the future, but Yes, they will happen. It's like a tenet on co- a lot of coffee. That's right. Man, I, I just saw that movie for the first time. You ever seen that shit? I, yeah, I can't really remember it all that well. Talk about too much coffee, man. Yeah. That motherfucker is like, how do you even keep up? Yeah. I like the visuals, but yeah, that's, that's about all I remember. 
I heard it's the most confusing movie you ever made. I think so. <laughs> so how's it been going, man? How you doing 20 years later? Yeah. I haven't talked to you in 20 fucking years. Yeah, no, working hard and just kind of, um, yeah, still trying to find cartooning that I like and, you know, stay, stay drawing, you know, figure out different ways to do that. I'm going to pry into your new uh, projects. What are you working on? Oh, cool. Uh, right on. Helping them out through COVID times. Good. And that's a nice education comic. Uh, working on an autobiographical thing about a little bit about like the hippies and, and uh, doing some, uh, and, then, and then the Black Panthers and uh, Jim Jones and kind of having a little bit of um, just talking about some of those, this idea of like, how does one change the world? And what are the, and then does it work? Does it not work? Unintended consequences. Um, also doing a Too Much Coffee Man uh, opera comic, which I did an opera at one point based on the comic, and now I'm doing a comic based on the opera. Like you're actually writing the music and shit? Working at the New Yorker, right? Well, submitting cartoons. Um, so it's, you know, Who got you the job there? Uh, Crumb's wife? I thought it was Eileen Crumb who was running the, the cartoon department for some reason. No, that would be pretty great if she did. Yeah, I thought it was. Okay. Is it a pretty good paying gig when it when it goes through? Unpretentious. 
um, like locally, I don't know, there's like an alternative paper locally, and there's a bunch of snobs. Yeah. And they're trying to be the onion. It's like I go to the onion, <laughs> yeah. super nice people there, and they're really friendly, and they're like, ah, you know, like, and it's a party. They have a, you know, they invite you in. It's just, it's, it's they're like having fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, Sam Gross, he's like, ah, you know, come in and <laughs> and they kind of fuck with you and I don't know. It's it's and that magazine, another thing where it's like really, really nice people and it's like, holy crap, like underneath like lower lower tier crap, it's like a bunch of assholes, but then all of a sudden, like yeah, it's like really nice people. It's it's always you're probably like I am. You get along better with the stars than the people that are running the stars. I think it's the people that are wanting to be stars, and they have this idea in their head like, "Oh, stars are assholes." So in order for me to be a star, I need to be an asshole. But then, like Sam Gross, he's just he breaks the mold. Yeah. Yeah, and same with you know, like Emily Flett, like all these people that are there that are. Way more talented than I am are really nice to me. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't know. Yeah, good mixture. You got you know. How long you been at the New Yorker for? Like off and on. I guess I started. They started buying a, the first cartoon I sold in two thousand nine. So what's that? Eleven, twelve. It's a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. It took about a year to get in. Looking back at all the work you've done since like 93 or whatever, I think that's maybe that was the first appearance. Is that too early for too much coffee, man? Or does that sound about right? No, that's about right. I think I did the first mini comic in like 91. I was one of those people. I was like, look at this fucking guy with the coffee cup head. <laughs> <laughs> I loved him. I just thought he was, he was so relatable. And he and he really like touched the nerve of neurotic uh, America. Yeah. And the people that I, you teamed him up with, like these guys along the way, you know, like would you have this one guy called White German or? Oh yeah, too much German white chocolate. <laughs> and she, I, I made her because all these people were like, "Oh, you should really do Ice Tea Man, and you should really do." Yeah, I, I people would suggest like you know uh, Hershey's Man or Too Much Chocolate Man. And it's like, yeah, that's a little bit racist. <laughs> it's like, that's right. I'm like, you know, and they're just so dumb, these ideas. They're like, too much beer, man. And it's like, I just, so I thought, you know, what's the dumbest? And I thought, yeah, too much German white chocolate woman. <laughs> yeah, this whole. I remember um, that. <laughs> the people are going to be dumb. I'm going to out-dumb them. Nicotine-nager. good enough for Dark Horse to pick it up, right? Is that who it was? Yeah, and that I, that was um, one of the God, what did he work in? I think he was working on merchandise. But he um, I was pitching at Dark Horse and you know, I'd send my stuff because I was wanting to get, you know, it was like yeah, the 
Burkhorst Presents, which to me was just amazing. Yeah, that was an awesome book, dude. And I was just hearing nothing back. And then I think their merchandise guy was out shooting pool with a friend of mine in New York. And then when they were talking about too much coffee, like my name got brought up because, oh, he should be in Dark Horse Presents. But he would never, he, he's an indie guy. He'd never want to be in there. And my friend was like, are you kidding? Of course he'd love to be in Dark Horse Presents. And so that that's how I got a call then. It's like, oh, hey, do you want to do a Dark Horse Presents story? And I was like, hell yeah. You know, I, Did you have to go to Milwaukee, Oregon to the headquarters? <laughs> no. Um, no, I just, back then, I FedExed my art. And so I would send the originals up. And uh, I was living in Austin. Okay. And I, I, flew, I flew out. Once I flew to... Seattle, I did a commercial for uh, Converse Tennis Shoe, and I worked with Danny Antonucci, and he did, uh, I don't know, he did all these guys, like Nico the Butcher, whatever, that's what won me over. And so they flew me out, and then on the way back, uh, the plane landed funny in Seattle, it's a transfer, and I, I just got off the airplane, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do this pilot, it freaked me out. And so I just got off. And this was back in the day when you do crap like that. And yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was in Seattle and I was and, and, and I just started walking around and I had like a buck fifty in my pocket. And so I walked to a comic book store to start calling people up to try to you know, so I called uh Fanographics just to find a place to crash for the weekend because I thought oh, I'll stay the weekend, you know. And um so I walked to a comic book store and I walk in the back of the car. I, I call Fanographics. I told, I said, yeah, leave a message. I need a place to stay. Just tell some cartoonists that are there. Like, call back. Yeah. So I'm waiting to hear back from I figured somebody there would put me up. And I'm walking around, and I saw somebody reading a, a Too Much Coffee Man comic book. It was Too Much Coffee Man number three. And I look at it, and I was like, that's weird. You know, like, I, I just, and I look at it, I was like, Ed Brubaker. I know that guy. Oh, yeah, it was, huh? So, so I yelled at him. I was like, that comic's terrible. Put it back. And he's like, what? No, it's not that. It's like, Shannon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are the chances? Yeah. I was like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, I was in Vancouver, you know, up in D.C. Uh, and I was flying back and I got off the plane. And he's like, well, I, I, how? Did he put you up? That's awesome, because I was like, I know Fanographics did not fucking call you back. <laughs> I know they fucking did. Those guys are like, oh, it's a Shannon, uh, what's his fuck? Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially if it was Kim Thompson with his, like, uh, oh. manga fetish at that time, you know. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they totally yeah, I got booted out of Fanographics because of that. He, he, he kind of, like, uh, gatekeeped me. You know that term? Oh, wow. It's a term that people that are like already in the business and you're not a, you're not there yet, yeah. and they can gatekeep you from like getting in. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. Maybe a little bit too much investment in Ned Pisker. I was like, whatever. I mean, he's a good artist, but he's not all that, dude. It's, it's comics. I mean, yeah. They're invented to be a throwaway medium. Hold up and put in your back pocket. Like, that's the perspective on this. 
Yeah, I like the whole uniqueness of finding people like you or the other people like uh, Robert Williams or, uh, you know, Dan Klaus or, you know, I'm, I'm just dropping names, but everybody that I just dropped has this unique, hey, take on, uh, on, um, on uh, kind of character studies. You know, yeah, sure. you got, uh, you know, they'll bring back Trina Robbins. They'll use uh, Dame Darcy. They'll use yeah. uh, uh, people that really, really I consider to be like they, they, they're both, uh, har- you know, harvester of the world's greatest cartoonist brains. It's true. I mean, they, they, they changed the industry in a really good way. They brought in this phenomenal talent. Yeah, all those so good. Yeah, it's like yeah, you, you're lucky you ran into Ed. That's that was cool. That was a good. That was a good, <laughs> good, good saving grace. <laughs> Seattle's not the place you want to sleep on the street, especially fucking now. I yeah, I thought I thought Ed's place because I'd read Low Life. I thought it was going to be dumb, and I was like, well, I'm in for a you know weekend on a dirty couch, but whatever. <laughs> And then I get there, and it was immaculate. I mean, it was just... <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> my, my image of you is completely perverted. You were... Oh, sorry. I, I want to say, you were the first person... Uh, we, we started reconnecting here, and I got you back on the show because I was talking about the Denver Comic Art Festival. Yeah. And uh, it was me and my buddy Murph, and uh, he ran the shop, Highlander. And I was the guy who came up with the Denver came- Comic Art Festival. He yeah, came up uh, with the name, Decaf. Yeah, Decaf. Um, I went to the fourth annual. I have the, the coffee mug. That's what number it was, fourth annual. I was like, what? which one was he fucking at? I only know that because I'm looking at the mug. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that was so long ago, but, you know, just to reiterate, I had told the story once, and I was going to tell it briefly again, that, you know, at that point, uh, before the the festival started, I, we, had a sh- we had a different store that was like the size of a shoebox, it was on the other side of the street from where you had visited yeah. and came and saw us. Which was awesome, but that uh, originally it was just these, this little shoebox, and I remember uh, sitting there drawing all day, and I had my own imprint going in Denver called Stale Ink. You don't have to know what the fuck that is. Don't worry about it. But that was something I was really pimping off at that time. Yeah. And uh, I had a bunch of books, a bunch of uh, you know, pull. And the kids would come in. I wouldn't be drawing fucked up shit around them. So I'd just draw other shit, you know, until I could go draw my own shit. Because <laughs> you can't draw some things. you got to keep it 18 and over. And these kids were, like, in middle school, you know. So they'd come in, and they, uh, they, they saw me drawing. And it started with these two Mexican punk rock brothers. They were, like, 12, 13 years old. And uh, they started drawing, and the ki- cool kids would follow them in there, and they started drawing. So I had this table with, like, four chairs. Now it's all we could get in there, man. And uh, so they take turns and all this stuff. 
And eventually Murph was gone for three months, man. It was like right when we first opened. He was trying to make the money to keep the place open for a year or whatever, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he does commercial lighting. And so he came back and he's like, hey. And I was like, what's up, Murph? And he goes, let's go smoke a joint. So we went out back and he said, what the fuck has been going on around here? And I pulled out this folder that was the size of a Denver phone book, dude. And I slammed it on the, <laughs> I slammed it on the, uh, on the, uh, on the desk. And I was like, that's what the fuck's going on. He's like, what the fuck is that? I was like, that is fucking 200 kids over 90 days drawing this shit and me rotating their little pictures around the store. And I thought they all should be seen all the time. So I just kept rotating them. And then every time I get a new one, I had to take one down. And I had this whole folder, and he's like, holy shit, what are we going to do about it? And I was like, well, I think, you know, we should give these guys, like, some kind of comic festival thing. Uh, so that's, the, that's how it started. And right away, Murph goes, decaf. Like, you know, some <laughs> Kevin Smith-style mover. Right. And, you know, and I was like, decaf. And he goes, Denver Comic Art Festival. And I was like, holy shit. And so, you know, we took it down the street, had a couple vodka drinks with the gallery owner. And the next thing you know, we had the first one. And I already had discrepancies with it, man, because I didn't like the idea that the first thing they jumped to was like, hey, kids get judged in a contest to see whose art's the best. I was like, no, just fucking hanging up like a gallery. Because when you go to a gallery, it's not an art contest. Right, yeah. No, it, I'm with you. I hate, the, I hate the idea of best. I didn't like it, and I think a lot of people forgot what it was like to be a kid all of a sudden. I was yeah. like, do you remember losing to these things? Because I do. I, yeah. every, every contest I entered, I would lose. Yeah. It was, it was a nightmare. Even though I won the adult one on that because my partner, he was like, we should have the adult... Uh, section in here i was like no dude no man let's just and every idea i had they just shot out of the ground i was like who came up with this fucking thing (laughs) and you know now you got uh the newspaper westward brought to you by kbpi rocking the rockies you know and all this like radio and newspaper jargon bullshit and we had to totally take it to the uh, city hall and make it a legit thing until i finally had lost interest in the my idea and so I, I just painted walk, faces and shit. That was about it. <laughs> was it? I mean, you did four. You did a few after that, right? I think we went it all the way up to like six or seven, and and then and then it just lost interest. Yeah, yeah. And Murph had lost the store. He was up on Colfax now. You weren't going to have this thing on Colfax, that's for sure. Oh really? That's no, it's just the the longest prostituted commercial street in America. I mean, what are you going to do? Oh, there's the crackheads at McDonald's. We'll si- we'll stick right. the the festival right between the two. Like it's like, school. yeah, exactly. It's just it wasn't going to work out after a while. Where we had it, that was ideal. When you showed up, that North Denver area, before they uh, totally, you know, remodeled it over the last like however many years since then, and have taken all but all the joy out of it. And all those kids now, they all got kids. And, you know, yeah. it's just, that's a weird thought. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 
stuff when I was a kid, and I'm 65 now. It's like, wow, that's kind of cool. The only successful story I ever heard off of it, beside you showing up, was uh, this one kid got picked up by Nickelodeon. And he got put on a Fairly Odd Parents. Do you remember that cartoon? Yeah, yeah, and it was like the guy, he, you know, he, it was the little kid who had the fairy parents, and he was, like, adopted or some bullshit, but uh, the mom came in and was like, hey, I gotta give you some money, and I, they had come in six months after the kid had been picked up, and I was like, no, you don't have to give me money, and I, I was just having these free cartoon classes, and I encouraged the parents to come. So that they knew that the kids were all right, and that I was just sitting there drawing with them, you know. That's great. And uh, so they, uh, the one mom was there, and the kids were in the back of the store, and she's like, "I got to give you this," and she pulled out like four or five hundred dollars, dude. Wow. And I was like, "No, I'm not taking that." And she's like, "Well," and I needed it, <laughs> like we've all needed it. <laughs> uh, but I, I was like, "Nope, not going to do it, man." And she's like, "Well, why not?" I was like, "Because that's not why I did it." And uh, and she's like, you know, Nickelodeon picked him up. I was like, what? That's so cool. I know. I yelled at the back of the store. I was like, hey, kid, give me a fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, but no, it was a pleasure to have you, dude. And, and it was a pleasure to, like, have all these people that, you know, show up. Like I said, there was just aspects I thought, quit making it a fucking art contest. You know, make it a gallery show. Show the all the different kids' strengths without putting them against each other, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I always thought that was the best way about cartooning, but here in the future, most cartoonists are fucking dicks. I, you know, sort of, but then also, like, I've been connecting on, on Twitter with people that are just funny and happy and, I mean jerks but in a really good way where they're you know it's just start riffing on a joke somebody will say something and it'll kind of make a round robin and I, I don't know there's been well i'm a little strong on my on my opinion but you know i i just i've had so many like the last uh do you know who danny uh uh whatever dan fogel He was my publisher out of 2019, and in him and uh, Sherry uh, or uh, Larry and Sharon uh, Wells, who do the cherry pop tart, yeah. they ended up character assassinating me and all this shit, man. Oh no, that's a shame. Yeah, it was a shame. I was like, you know, I've had, I've said it on a few shows, and we're in a new year, so I got to let things go. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's not, Hey, I'm, I forgive them, but I'm not going to forget about it. You know, it's just like, Hey, you know, people need a break in, you know, and, uh, maybe it's not always the best to draw other people's shit, but I wouldn't mind doing a, a cherry pop tart fucking yeah. little pin up, you know? Yeah. I think there's a collection coming out. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, they did it with slow death too, you know? And have you, did you hear, read that one? I did, but not, I, just the Corbin issues. I, I picked up one or two of them. 
Did you ever get into Greg Irons? Were you a Greg Irons fan? I know the name, but I don't remember his stuff. I, you know, there was a, he, I, he ended up doing the, all the Fillmore posters and shit. Right, right. And then he got killed in uh, Thailand. He was crossing the street, and uh, he looked the wrong way and oh. stepped in front of a bus. I know. Pretty wild. But, you know, uh, there are a lot of greats out there. You're not wrong. And I do have a, 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 a little uh, list of comic book buddies, and I'd like to note that you're definitely on that, that list, you know, and it's good to talk to you again, man, you know? I remember how, how cool you were with the kids. and that was a blast. Yeah, it was so great, right? I mean, just the festival aspect. and I kind of missed that whole thing. You know, growing up as a cartoonist, you kind of get in that delusion that, hey, all cartoonists are going to be that way. And then you meet dicks like Tony Millionaire or <laughs> or fucking uh, Danny Hellman with their pompous political fucking like, Ugh, dude, do I have to read another political fucking, you know, just draw your shit, dude. <laughs> you know? But then, you know, but then there's like Sherry Flanagan where, fuck, she's... Oh, yeah. And she's been at it for for the long run. Yeah, or Beanie Pond. There's another one where she worked on the early Simpsons stuff, and um, it's just so nice to see and you know meet her. It's like, oh my god, like there's or I uh, Bill Sinkovich, uh, right? Like there's a guy that should be a total jerk. He has done some of the coolest comics ever made, you know, and. It's always the ones that you think might, they're not necessarily, you know. Yeah, Bill Griffith was cool, man, meeting that guy, you know. If I hadn't uh, hit the uh, hippie comics uh, title, uh, that's what Dan Fogle ended up inheriting that from Dana Crum. And then uh, I ended up on that thing, you know. But after, you know, he just jerked me around so much, I was like, you know, something globally uh, catastrophic is going to fucking happen to your ass. And it did. And he hasn't, you know, now he's like working with Mike Cabroni or whatever, like in... Uh, New York, they're getting ready to do another fest. That's cool. The one thing I hated about being in New York in 2019 was Bob Camp. Like, you fucking big mouth. He's like, ah, the only thing that was standing in John K's way was his own dick. It said it just like a Ren and Stimpy fucking cartoon. It's like, could you be any more powdered toast man about that fucking statement you just made, motherfucker? I know these. You know they are their own characters. It is like working with them. I I, I just thought, hey, you know, Peter Bag was cool. He's about as neutral as Switzerland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I I sent him my stuff, and and then and he wrote 
Oh. Well, you just have to be careful with kids' hearts, with children. You know? Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. Fragile. You don't realize how fragile people are. That's why I always support kids, no matter how much they fucking suck. Because <laughs> I, I know that they got this. They're not grown yet. You don't know. They could flip overnight and just start whipping out fucking Goya and all this other shit, you know? Yeah, it really, it could be anything. They're capable of anything. superstar motif though man I, I i would have to say you became part of fucking america dude uh well thank, thank you for the flattery it really is i know people remember it my mom she's she uh she'll end up doing the beginning and end of the show she'll end up listening to it she just didn't have the uh strength she's been dealing with some hardcore elements in her elder age uh but she she would have been on the show and she's like oh i remember that coffee man motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) and so she wanted me to apologize too i've just said hey you know you can tell him yourself but here i am anyway being the good son you know she uh she's been just tremendous man and uh you know having an adopted mom from a very young age uh, she's been, you know, having a gutter punk as a mom is a, is probably one of the best things that can happen to a motherfucker, man. Yeah. It was radical ideas, you know, coming from her and art and she's a great artist herself. And I think, you know, she's one of those people that's like, I stopped doing it. Well, why'd you stop? I don't know. You know, and you hear that from a lot of uh, not only just artist artists, but specifically comic book artists, cartoon artists, you know. And here on Underground Cartoon Therapy, we're allowed to tell these stories of tragedy growing up in in hardship, you know, because specifically, you know, when I get a cartoonist on, I really get to enjoy that, you know. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, It's like what whatever's in your heart and soul, like that's the thing that 
carries through and makes it work. I don't know. It's in the line work. It's in the line work. It's in the way that you you make the line. And yeah, it's, it can be real. I, it's like music where I listen to these auto tune and you know where it's just so heavily produced. It's like wow, I just have so little interest in. <laughs> yeah. Even in comics too, where it's too well drawn or something. It's like there's I'm rereading like some of the old Ditko stuff, and it's like man, this guy is not very good at drawing. And they're so great. Like, there's a sincerity to it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You know, um, he really had this kind of, like, where everybody was, like, narrow and anorexic. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, this, and then when you hear his, like, uh, opinions here about whatever in the future, and uh, also, not to stray too far, but the Ditko estate, since you brought him up, did you know they're trying to bar Spider-Man? How so? Uh, because they technically own the rights over him now. Mm. And uh, apparently it was a deal made or some bullshit. And they haven't cut the Ditko estate in on shit, but they've said, hey, by you know, Stanley and Steve Ditko, right, right. they're making, you know, they just broke a billion dollars. On that yeah. No Way Home bullshit. Which oh, I loved, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. <laughs> it was just... Yeah. But outside that, yeah, it's a very rea- uh, you know possible reality that Steve Ditko, uh, a state, could be shutting down Spider-Man and no usage could be used of the character. Oh, that'd be interesting. I know, right? A world without Spider-Man? That's like right out of a Ramita book, man. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of great in a way because then it would become this thing that you'd have to search out and, and put an effort into. And, and you know, it's time. To, like if I have to watch, what is it, Ben, uh, Uncle Ben, die one more time, like a, that origin story. I have no need for the origin story again. By Spider, like let's make some new character. I'd be fine with no more Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just they've exhausted sixty years out of this guy, you know. And I, I always thought it was interesting because technically it was Jack Kirby who created Spider-Man, and that's my opinion. But I feel like in nineteen fifties, early fifties, he was working at Ben Cooper. And that's where that original Spider-Man design came from. So one of my theories about, about um, and I have no basis in reality for this theory. Yeah, we usually don't, but we go at it anyway. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, because the way that Ditko has this black and white view of the world of like either it's moral or it's immoral. It's either lawful or, or there's no gray in his, in his world is kind of fascinating. Um, but I think that he compromised in making Spider-Man by taking that that uh, Ben Cooper, uh, the, the Halloween design as, as the costume design and then kind of took credit for it even though it wasn't his. So I think it was a moral compromise that he made designing. Like, I bet he was drawing in there and he's like, I don't, you know, how do I do this? And, oh, I just, you know, here's a Use this designer, you know, or he saw it and he 
So I think there was a transgression that he regretted. And then it made, it became so popular and made so much money. They kept trying to pay him, saying, hey, you know, take this money for, you know, we're turning this into the Sam Raimi movie. And he's like, no, I don't want any of the money. I'm wondering if he lived with some shame for that. Most assuredly, man. For that theft. I feel like he 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 probably did well. He did end up leaving, and and then when he did leave Marvel, what would he do? He went into underground. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Yeah, I, I I always love. I, I have no problem hanging out with Ayn Rand people. That's that's your epitaph, man. man. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You know, it's it's weird too, not to like get too deep into the annals and shit, but I I I put it together that fucking what what was his name, man? Uh Martin Goodwin. Was that Stanley's uh the guy who he ended up inheriting Marvel from and it was Atlas? Yeah. And yeah. that was his uncle, like his only sole success. I think you know Stan Lee was like, I, I do want to be a writer, but for the military or some shit, right? And was like, you know, I, I'm not into. And you could see how it just turned into this Martin Scorsese fucking flick because you gotta remember, man. Like before, when Stan Lee was a kid and Jack Kirby was like out of the Bowery in the in the sweat box with like ten other like Jewish men that are just like sweating all fucking day listening to the. The heat of World War Two, coming off yeah. the fucking box. You know they're all enlisted. They want to kill yeah. this motherfucker, man. You yeah. know, and who could blame any uh, decent American at that time? But Stan Lee was like Not this loafer, <laughs> right? Yeah. It well, you had the uh, you had uh, Jerry and, and Joe. Out of yeah. Cleveland, they were 17 years old. That's so amazing. Well, it was amazing, but uh, Sheldon uh, Mayer, who did Sugar and Spike, he's the one that got the green light for the, the kids out of Cleveland to get Superman published. Right, right. Okay, so, but that's not what happened. They they ended up stealing these this shit from the kids. Well, that, that was a big mafia Exactly. That's my point. The whole thing was mobster ran. And it was yeah, a lot of the the, the printer, um, the printer and the mafia. They were both a publisher and a distributor, and so they were fudging the numbers. Exactly. And that's where they actually had Major Wheeler Nicholson, um, who started that stuff. He actually, yeah. Then they they kind of uh, all of a sudden it turns into out. a Scorsese flick. Am I right? I was thinking uh, Tony Soprano, where, you know, it's like... With Almost the same difference, dude. <laughs> Almost the same difference. It's two yeah. different, slightly off worlds, but they they both tiptoe through the fucking Tiny Tim Tulips on that motherfucker, okay? Cause yeah, pornography and exploitation. Can you imagine Stan Lee getting fucking harassed by his uncle being like, Look, you better put all these vegetarian fucking veterinarian ideas to fucking rest, buddy. Cause your your ass is fucking a huckster, and I'm gonna utilize that 
and I want you to run this shit, and you, and you remember, you always keep their fucking artwork. So my, my other completely half-assed theory is um, that, that revolution in comics that Stan Lee brought in in the 60s came out of laziness. Yeah. Where I think Stan Lee would walk into the room where Jack Kirby's drawing and say, okay, I got this idea. Four people go into outer space, they get hit by rays, they come back, and they turn into the elements. So you've got, like, the Earth guy, you know, you've got the air woman, and the uh, fire guy. (laughs) Just, you know, just draw that. And so then, and then Kirby then would draw that story with no words, and then Stan would come back in and then say, oh, this is where this says this, this says this. And, And so what Kirby did is told the story visually and so the, the words and the images worked independently as their own art form but then married in such a way that it elevated both of them as opposed to the DC stuff that was really stationary and stagnant where you'd have a writer say okay on page one this is what happens and then like you have these characters that are just standing around super stiff yeah where Kirby was telling the story like he, he internalized it and told it visually. Put inertia into the pen line. And I think that what, that's the revolution that happened in the 60s. Oof. Um, oh, comics. man. The and beauty, I, the I, glory I, days, man. And I have no... <laughs> but I think it's Stan Lee's laziness. Or, or, you know, he's overextended or whatever, however you want. But it's like a... Uh, you know, it's, he created a, a, a factory line, you know, like Ford, where it's like the laziness of, of uh, creating something like let's, you know, all of a sudden sort of invented this new way of doing things. And you already had, uh, it was even before DC when it was national. Yeah. Uh, and they were just mind picking Fawcett and uh, Charlton and Stanley was yeah. like, well, if they're mind picking those properties, I'm just going to go through Ben Cooper costumes. And you can kind of see the uh, the idea, like, or you know, uh, there was a couple Charltons that were left behind that DC obviously were like, nah, uh, like the fly, and uh, you could just hear Stanley too. He's like, he's like, you know, ah, what are the kids like? Surfing? Oh, we need a surfing character, ah, <laughs> you know, Silver Surfer, but he he surfs outer space because kids like outer space. I mean, it's just like. And all of a sudden you get this silver surfer. And that's what I've never understood about Stan Lee, where he could take this incredibly stupid, just the lowest, dumbest thing, and then all of a sudden, the pathos, where it's like becomes this tragic universal figure, like the thing and the Hulk, like there's this palpable loneliness that is absolutely genuine and sincere, and it's wrapped in this packaging of it is it really is it really that's how you know he didn't write the shit <laughs> I, I think it was in him no I, I I don't know writing I mean like that that's I, yeah I mean I, Jack Kirby just he was an emotional cat he was and he brought a lot into it and I, 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 I he was the thing and he was the Hulk and you knew Stan Lee was the uh, was Rick Jones, and you know because he's like, oh, the smart ass kid sitting on his jalopy, 
and it's Jack Kirby's jalopy, you know, parked out on the minefield there. But it, you know, it's, it's it's very much the Beatles, where you've got John Lennon and Paul McCartney, <laughs> and I mean, like they they're, they they oddly complement each other. And yeah, it was pretty astounding. It really was, man. This is the kind of shit that Family Guy in South Park wished they could tap on the shit and fucking put oh, it. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're fucking nailing it, dude. I think we should make our own cartoon. What do you think? <laughs> I think we should just be like, you know what, man? We'll make a... Because I, I, why the fuck is too much coffee, man? Not on Adult Swim, dude. Uh, well, why? It's a, that's a, it's a hard comic to translate. And do a, yeah, but it's so fucking genius. Try. I don't mean to fucking float your boat, but I guess that's kind of part of the show is to give you some praise. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it is, it's fucking awesome, and uh, I think even if it did come out, you know, way back when, that it's timeless. And that's what you see about characters. You know what uh, Matt Groening said? Huh. You can always recognize a famous cartoon because of the silhouette that they leave. And, you know, too much coffee, man. Like, if you don't know who the fuck... It's kind of looking at Bob Burton's uh, flaming carrot and being like, ah, who is it? You know, it's like, dude, you know who the fuck it is. You know? I love those Bob Burton comics. I do. Me too, man. They. I always wish they would have done Mystery Men, too. Yeah. Like, come on, give us the fucking flaming carrot. You know the guy came first and then he formed the Mystery Men, right? Fucking asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's one nice thing in comics is that it is a small enough field of like, you know, I would read comics and then all of a sudden I go to a convention and I'm at the bar with Bob Burton and we're just, you know, I'm hearing him sort of eat Bob Burton. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm hanging out with Flaming Carrot now. <laughs> just, all of a sudden I'm in that universe. And sort of hey, he's fucking amazing. World. Uh, that's what we are too we offer up these structured universes to the reader and uh, even if Stan Lee or despite who they were in time you know the biggest huckster or the most like uh, devoted man uh, if they made the image they made the image and, and you'll always know it and every story's different man you know not everybody's a dick obviously uh, you know, not everybody is like, you know, fucking the Betty White, you know? It's like, hey, rest in peace, Betty, you know? But not everybody was a cool person like you, you know? I, I mean, Bob Singerman was talking about how he, 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 he was talking about him and Nick this somebody. Oh, Matt, uh, oh, Matt, what's his face? Uh, uh, Joe Matt. Joe Matt. He, yeah, he's, I don't know, he just wrote this thing about how Uh, Joe Matt's kind of a dick, though, isn't he? Yeah, you know, but but you gotta give room for change too. And it, it was just he felt he felt redemption. He 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 was apologetic because he Apol- I mean, yeah. And it was just an interesting, you know, it's just a little Facebook post or something. I don't, you know, it wasn't like a big essay or anything, but it it was an interesting, like, oh, this guy kind of, yeah, he, he sort of changed and. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where Joe Matt is. I've never, I, you know, I've just <laughs> heard about things, and I don't know. 
He's like in that Johnny Ryan gang, right? Yeah. <laughs> the ones that Crumb <laughs> hates. <laughs> oh, I like It's the internal war. It's the secret wars, man. You know, it's like, I've taken 13, you know, 26 of the greatest cartoonists and split them into two teams to destroy each other. You know, and I, I think that's it. You know, it's kind of like, I mean... Half of them, you know, I, you know, if you were hanging out with Robert Williams, he'd be cool as fuck, weirdo, fucking awesome, juxtaposed running motherfucker. But you fucking turn around try to hang out with R. Crumb, he might try to fuck your wife. No, I actually did hang out with Crumb, and there was a guy that, um, you know, I had dinner with him, and a, a buddy of mine was doing some work with him, and said, you know, hey, do you want to meet him? I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I, I went and hung out, and, um, I don't know. They, like, they're, they, I was like, yeah, I, I'm just going to not talk about comics with them. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. You know, like, and so we, we talked about the 60s and the parent, and parenting, and um, he went to my dad's commune when he was young. And, and Oh, yeah? You know, so we talked about sort of the hippie times. And it was super nice guy. I really, really enjoyed That's him. how I felt, too. He was just nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I think a lot of it is, or, or just a, a shield to, to, you know, to, because so many people want something from him, just a way to kind of... Or like how, who you talk to, too, you know, about, like, because I think half the time, and I feel this way about myself, too, where my personality can change up pretty fast. <laughs> if, if I don't like somebody, it could go south pretty bad. I'll have no control. I'll be like the most emotional toddler you've ever met in a 50-year-old body. Oh, man. I have that. I mean, it can happen. <laughs> you know? I, at a convention once, um, I'm trying to pack that. At the end of the day, so, you know, you put in a 10-hour day, you're on the whole day, and I'm you know, shut down the con, and I'm packing up, and I just want to have a beer and, yeah. like, lay down and close my eyes, and some kid comes up, and he's, like, really aggressively, he's like, oh, can I get a sketch from you? And, and I was what? like, ah, you know, like, so, you know, I, like, drew a toilet in his thing. I was like, you know, who asked at the end of the day when somebody's packing up for, a, like, a sketch? And, a, and so, and then that kid shows up in a class I taught. He's like, yeah, I met you at a con. I was like, the one time I'm a complete jerk. <laughs> Ends up in your class. He's in my class. I was like, oh, great. Just like, hey, sorry, you know, you just kind of fucking uh, was being a dick asking me for a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. You, you know, you can be funny. It's all about timing, too, with the humor. You know that. It made me feel bad. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I should have been nicer. Like, here's, here's the karma for me. Ah. It's all right. I tried to make it up to him. Yeah, you, you know. You're fucking Shannon fucking Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I know that it's hard. It's not. I wasn't. That's what I didn't like about Johnny Ryan. I'll tell you just uh, just to talk a little smack. When I met the guy, he was he was like, "I'm not even a real cartoonist. I just fucking draw this stupid fucked up shit." And you know, I was like, and I think about all the hours I like have sat there 
and all the hours that dick has not sat there. Yeah. And it really does kind of burn your biscuits, man. And it's yeah. really, but it is really about what people would just really want this the most offensive shit still. Yeah. If you can deliver that, you know, uh, God forbid a real fucking story or anything. I think you really have to make like a the story match the intensity of how absurd shit is. If you can do that, hey, you'll actually reinvent fucking imagination again. I, I did too much Adventure Time. I was like, oh, I'm starting to turn it into rubber. Yeah. I, <laughs> that's how I felt about Rick and Morty, too. I was like, it's too much. You got to know when to say when. You got to be like, hey, come on, man. This is. Crap, that guy has put in hours. I know. Fucking amazing, dude. It's just. Yeah. It's so fucking cool, and I love all the new shit that keeps coming out, and I I like that I, I like personally not being the best. I just like being the best at what I can do, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think I want to get that conveyed out to people, you know? We're about six and a half minutes out from finishing this show. Can you believe it? Uh, I believe it. I'm a yacker. Well, me too, and I, I've really enjoyed having you. I, uh... Wanted to ask about the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> Is that what you fucking won? <laughs> I wish that would be that would be a blast. To, you uh, won like a Nobel Peace Prize, right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I was thinking about that, like the New Yorker thing. I was thinking like that that was like winning a prize where all of a sudden my art didn't change, but I was validated in this weird way where all of a sudden. Like relatives are like, oh, now you're, I'll, now I'll read your stuff because you have this little degree from this place that I, you know, it's just a funny little thing. Um, yeah, you win a prize, you get a piece of paper. You're, you don't change. Your work doesn't change, but the perception that you definitely change. Yeah, that's 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 true. You know, and, and growth is inevitable. I don't mean to uh, be off, but have you ever worked for the Sunday Strip Mafia? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, uh, like family, uh, or not family, uh, King Features. Oh, yeah. No, I, I would love to do a strip like that. I think I missed the window a little bit. 
Well, I always thought you could pull it off. I bet you could still, man. You know, I thought I always thought, hey, too much coffee, man. Uh, as an underground comic, is its own thing, and it easily translated uh, its character into like the Sunday Strip. Yeah, the Sunday Strip. I did it. XL it was a Austin paper um, ran my comic for a few years, um, and it was just one paper, so it wasn't syndicated. But it was really, it was it was a nice, good amount of work to. Um, really figure out how to play with a page as a, as a story, you know, beginning, middle, and an end, um, work a joke in, work an idea in, have it, figure out the timing, figure out the artwork. So yep. That, um, All the important that, stuff that it takes to be the mechanic of a, car, of a cartoon. It was a good education. I had to see it in print, you know, like I do this work and then, and then open the paper. So all the... Every week I had this feedback mechanism of like, yeah, here are your shortcomings. And then I'd be like, ah, oh, I gotta try harder. <laughs> <I learned more. laughs> um, it, it, that was good. Um, but no, thank you. I, I, I have a lot of respect for the daily cartoonists and graphic syndications. I want to thank you too for being a part of my childhood, uh, for being a part of uh, raising us, you know. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, I felt like, hey, you know, this, if, uh, there's this, like, cosmic, you know, cartoon cavalcade out there, or KKK, if you were going to use it the right way, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of characters that just, they're someone for everyone, and it's, and it's the relatability, and also, uh, looking at, you know, these aspects of ourselves, like how neurotic we actually fucking are. Thank you so much, Shannon. That was good. Thank you. All right. Well, hold on the line, and we'll be right back. Let's close this fucker out. Hold on, guys. All right. We're rolling. Mom, did you have a good time on that show? I sure did. You folks enjoying that opera music in the background? <laughs> yeah, we're still out the fucking opera. Smoking roaches in the fucking back row. They didn't know we were smoking back here. Uh, we get away with that kind of shit, huh, Mom? Yeah. <laughs> and everybody else can go fuck themselves, and I hope you guys do too. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Adam Air MD GED. What's the name of the show, Mom? Underground Cartoon Art Therapy. All right, you fucking heard it. And this has been Grandma Gutterpunk oh, approved. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of this opera, huh? Bye. You've been listening to Adam Aaron D. GD, Underground Cartoon Therapy. Hey, welcome to the show, Dame Darcy and Grandma Gutterpunk. It's an honor to have all three of us, because I'm yeah. pretty fucking special too. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Ah, oh, shit. I'm